This week on Gym Ops Radio, Dave and Brian talk all things membership economics. The guys discuss the best way to figure out which revenue model works for your goals, the upfront questions you must be asking yourself, and why having a long-term vision for your gym is critical to establishing what kind of model you run. They'll discuss expense considerations, service capabilities, and all of the ins and outs of what you need to be thinking of when deciding that all-important question. What am I going to charge? Welcome to episode 50. This is Gym Ops Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to Gym Ops Radio. This is episode 50. My name is Brian Pritz and I'm here with David Thomas and we are the owners of Performance 360 here in San Diego. Uh, Today we are going to talk about pricing. So what should I charge? Six steps to determine your individual price point. Um, So very pertinent to what we're doing as a gym in our back end as we're kind of uh, running some pricing tests and restructuring our entire pricing model. Um, so great discussion to kind of dive into some of our numbers and uh, what's good, what's bad about the way that we do it and kind of different ways to structure your gym based on what you want out of it. Did you just call me David? I did. <laughs> I, I didn't hear a word you said after that because I was just like, that's the first time in 20 years he's ever called me David. Yeah, you know what's funny about that is in my phone, you're David, and I actually program my phone to ever, everybody's like full proper name in there. So like really? m- my dad is Bill Pritz and in my phone he's William Pritz. <laughs> <laughs> Not even dad. No. It was just one of those things I was in like some weird mood or something when I got my new phone and I was like everybody's going to be proper as hell in here. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, I've actually realized that I've started calling you Brian too a little bit more. A lot um, of people have started emails. to do that. It's yeah. just like I don't know when we're talking to the staff it just feels weird to be like Pritz is going to do this. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll turn into more of a Brian as you get into your forties. Yeah. I might have to change my name legally. <laughs> change it to Brian. Change it to Byron. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about the price point stuff today. Um, you know, there's so many different models. I know you and I talk about that kind of behind the scenes of just like, you know, we feel very strongly that there is no such thing as like an assembly line cookie cutter type of way to run a gym and develop your pricing models because it's just so dependent on what you want individually out of the business. That's um, why we've had a little bit of a hard time, you know, making this episode because we've never really wanted to get into, you know, it's very dangerous to tell people what they should charge if you have no idea anything about them, if they're just like a listener who is not able to ask you questions back and we're not able to learn more about their business, it's super irresponsible to just say, like, you should be charging this and you should shoot for this many members. Could not agree more. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I think in talking about today, we'll certainly share some of how we've done things. Um, You know, we'll we'll dip our toe into that a little bit, but I don't think really using ourselves as an example – our business is extremely complicated just because we've been around for 10 years. We have two owners and there's also a third owner for an additional location. You know, we have three locations. It's just 16 coaches. There's just not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of transferability to be honest with you to most people listening to the podcast. 
So, um, you know, we'll kind of share some like overarching principles with with how we've priced, but certainly like not tell you like this is exactly uh, what you should do because we did it this way. And I mean, there's so many different factors. You had mentioned the first factor, kind of what the owner wants out of the gym uh, to start, but there's also you know, tons of other factors, just even like where you're located. Like if we were located, um, on the other side of the country or, you know, in a small town in the South or, you know, whatever, our pricing points would be very different than they are now with the exact same gym. So, you know, it's, it's dependent on a lot of different factors that we can, or anybody else should not just say like, these are the prices and this is what you should charge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, taking you through six steps today and a lot of it is numbers diving into like the math of things. But I think even before we get into all that, it's just really asking yourself step one being, what do you actually want out of your gym? So, um, you know, why don't you just talk a little bit about the different factors that people could be considering before you even go down to like the, you know, arithmetic of how you come to your price points. Right. Like you said, it's all about what the individual wants. I mean, we've talked with a lot of different gym owners that want vastly different things out of a business. Um, you know, for example, option one might be you just want to buy yourself a coaching job. Maybe you were a personal trainer and you want to start your own gym so that you can have more control over your schedule and your finances. But, you know, you just you want to coach like you want to mm-hmm. coach all day. Uh, you're not worried about growing the gym to a massive quantity and be more of that, you know, business, you want to be more of a small time, uh, coach, if you will, and just Mm -hmm. coach, you love coaching, you love people, you want to run, you know, five, six classes a day, hit a bunch of people and that's it. Um, that's going to be a different pricing model than, um, you know, if you have a partnership, if you have two people on board, uh, two mouths to feed, you're going to need more revenue. You're going to need to grow bigger than if you just want to coach. Um, if you see yourself as, you know, an executive or coach long term or let's just say you want to get to multiple locations, if you're somebody that really wants to grow, you know, a massive brand. We talked about branding the other day. Um, if you want to be more than just a single location, that's, you know, totally different. Um, you're going to need more members because you're going to need more people on the back end uh, working on some of the tasks and the projects for you so that you can build into that multi-location kind of enterprise. Um, you know, another question to ask, is this your retirement plan or your job? Um, if it's your job, you're going to be working more in the business and might not need to be uh, growing as much as somebody that, you know, you want it to be your retirement plan that you can just kind of have somebody else run it and you kick back and relax and collect uh, the profits coming in and not really worry too much about it. So there's just so many different ways of looking at it and um, depending on where you fall and there's probably 50 other scenarios that, you know, are possibilities for that, that will determine all this. Yeah. Those are all just such good points. And I think, I think it's also important to realize that it's okay for your, um, your vision for the gym to evolve over time that, you know, there's certainly there, we are certainly not following exactly what we set out to do 10 years later. Yeah. I don't think there was any, you know, I I think we felt pretty good that the gym would be successful or we wouldn't have done it, but I don't know that we would have thought we'd be in this position to have, you know, three locations and 850 members 10 years later. You know, that was certainly not part of the business plan, but 
you know, w- once we saw what we could do with it, we did kind of tweak what our vision was going to be with it. So, you know, what I do, what I do think is a mistake is to not think about it on any level whatsoever. Yeah. And, you know, you, you bring up a really good point of, you know, you ask the questions of, do you, are you buying yourself a coaching job? And then, you know, do you see yourself as more of kind of an executive or a coach long-term? I think that's really like at the end of the day, the biggest question is like, let's say you're opening up a gym or you are running a gym and you're the only person who's the owner. You're, you're the single owner. You're going to skew one way or the other. Like your interests are ultimately going to take you more into the business side of things, or they're going to take you more deeper into the coaching side of things. Yep. And I do think that kind of line in the sand really, really determines just what kind of place you're going to be. Because if you don't, if you're the owner and nobody who has hands-on decision-making is ever coming at it from a very experienced or practiced business lens, then there's just no way that you're going to optimize the actual business of that gym. And if you determine that you're just like, I'm not a business person, I'm not a businessman or woman, I just want to be focused on the fitness. That is awesome, but you would just need to really know that going in or come to that awareness at some point in the process and really potentially consider bringing on a partner or somebody who can help you with those business decisions. Um, But really knowing that about yourself because I do think that is going to affect the uh, decision that you make with the model that you ultimately run. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I also think that there's an evolution through some of these different phases or different um, kind of roles. Like, for example, uh, when we started, we essentially bought ourselves jobs to start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I always wanted to have my own business. Um, I never once thought of myself as a coach, as a fitness coach, um, anything like that. I wanted the business side of it. But at the beginning, I had to coach. I, you know, we both bought ourselves coaching jobs until we could grow to the point that we could move on to that next phase and start working more on the business. So that even though we didn't really have a ton of experience and didn't know what we wanted out of it now Mm -hmm. or at that point that evolved and we were able to kind of develop those roles after we started and go through different steps to get to different phases. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, the point being with that step one of like really do a deep dive of what it is that you want out of it. If you're listening and you're thinking of starting a gym, spend more time on that than you think. And if you are listening and you currently own a gym and you're just kind of like making some plans for the future, I think it's helpful to step back and really evaluate your infrastructure of ownership, what it is that you want out of it. If you have a partner really sitting down and discussing what are we doing here and and kind of where are we going. Uh, So once you have that step one, you decide what you want out of the gym, it should yield you some sort of vague model. Um, what, you know, you're either going to be kind of fewer members, higher prices, or you're going to be kind of more members with lower prices. It's, you might be some version of that, but chances are you're going to skew more one towards the other. Mm -hmm. So really coming up with like, what, what is your service model going to be and what are the costs associated with it? So if you happen to be the model that has fewer members paying a more premium price, then, you know, you're probably going to be smaller quote classes, group sessions, whatever you want to call them. And that might look awesome on paper, but 
one thing you would need to factor into that is, you know, if you're doing semi-private training where you're having, you know, three to seven, six, seven, eight people in a class, you're probably going to need to pay your coaches a little more than the industry average because it's a more hands-on, it's a more professional experience. Average coaching uh, rate is typically between $21 and $27 per class. So you would just need to make sure that if you're charging this high price model, that you're elevating in your expense projections that you're probably going to need to pay your coaches a little bit more to that if you really want to back up the price point of, you know, a $300 price point. <clears throat> yeah. I would, and then, sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, I was, was just going to say, say, I would, I would, <laughs> <laughs> it would be hard to be charging a high premium on membership and then paying somebody, you know, 18, $20 an hour for those sessions. That would create a disconnect uh, with your ownership and staff pretty quickly. I totally agree. And then it's like on the flip side of it, let's say you have lots of members um, and, you know, your prices are a bit on the lower side. Well, you know, you would need to be factoring in that you're going to have need to have much many more classes. So you'd have more of kind of a, a higher payroll through volume of classes and not necessarily per class rate. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's easy to do, especially in this COVID era with class sizes coming down across the board is under projecting what your class expenses are going to be because of having to get everybody into the gym throughout the day. Right. And I know that's one of the things that you and I are just getting hammered on right now is just our payroll is we're, we are almost running classes on the hour, every hour at two of our locations because we have to fit everybody in. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we started with the model of morning classes, midday classes, evening afternoon evening classes and when your capacity is cut by 40 percent all of a sudden you have um, way more members that can't get into smaller class sizes so in order to accommodate those people you need to add more times throughout the day um, and we still see a large volume of people at the prime time slots obviously but now we've got people like you said on the hour every hour starting at 6 a.m and ending um what is it? 7:30 uh, p.m. So our payroll has just skyrocketed um, throughout the COVID era, and luckily that's something that likely will change at some point down the road. But um, for the time being, it's it's a massive hit to our bottom line. Yeah, and that's just one of the things. You know, every business has their issues that they're struggling with and trying to figure out, and that's currently one of ours is how we're going to solve that one. And in 2021, is it going to be figuring out a way to reduce the classes that we offer? Is it going to be uh, asking membership to pay a higher price point? Um, you know, our model happens to be more on the side of having, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, of having more members. So, you know, we're, we're definitely not on that like 100 to 150 model. As I mentioned, we have 800 members, but that's across three locations. So they're all in different life cycles of their gym. Um, each one has a much different type of attendance but uh you know we're, we're pretty packed right now we're pretty packed throughout the day so all of our classes luckily are generating a high degree of of profitability but um it's an issue that we certainly be, need to be solving as we head into 2021 yeah i mean it's crazy with different models come different problems um and so like you said what we're working on now is how to fit everybody in because we are a little bit on the um volume based uh model but on the other side, somebody going through COVID that's on the lower volume, higher price model, they probably are experiencing very different issues where, um, you know, people's jobs are affected. 
their income's not as much um, or any at all. Um, maybe more people are scared, so you're going to lose a larger percentage of your business to holds and cancels um, due to the pandemic. So, you know, that might create a big swing in revenue for you. Um, so your your problems are very different on that side. Totally. <clears throat> I think the main thing to think about is just, you know, understanding, okay, so you've got your you've got your overall model. It's either lots of members or it's either very few members and just making sure you do a deep dive into the costs that are going to be associated with providing those service options. So step two would be just figuring out what is your financial nut. So what is it that you absolutely have to cover in a given month in order to break even? So we'll keep it very surface level. Let's say you have rent of $7,000. Let's say you have a payroll of $3,000. And then you have another $4,000 of just miscellaneous expenses. So that would mean you would need to cover $14,000 in revenue every single month in order just to break even. So that's when you just start doing the math on your ideal membership level. And you can either come at that by saying, uh, I ideally want X amount of members, or you can either start figuring that out by basically saying, like, I'd like to charge X amount per month. And then you can just kind of reverse engineer the price point. So, you know, let's say you got to cover $14,000 of revenue and you ideally would like 100 members in the gym. You just determine that's the amount that you can manage and that's the amount that you can keep a relationship with as just one person running a gym. I think that's pretty accurate. Then your uh, price point would come out to about $140 a month. If on the other hand, you say like, I want to charge a really premium service, I, I'd, re I'd much rather give my attention to very fewer people and give them a lot of attention. So therefore, I'd like to charge a little more. Maybe I just want like 60 members and this is going to be a high premium facility. Well, then the math nets out to you need to charge about $230 a month or you need to be having clients pay <clears throat> $230 worth of services. So that's one way you can come at that price point. And then the second is, you know, just the complete opposite. So let's say you have in your mind, you've done a little bit of market research that your gym is going to be $200 a month. Then you just do that math and you come to, you need 70 members to break even for that. We've always really liked the $150 price point on average. So if you do the math for $150, then you realize that you need 93 members to break even. So uh, it's really not all that complicated at the end of the day. Certainly we could do like many, many episodes on the other costs and taxes and all the stuff that people kind of fail to factor into their expenses. But assuming you have that expense number very accurate, coming up with that price point is really not all that challenging. Yeah, it's not. And, you know, like you said, we kind of like that 150 um, per month number. And, you know, when we open up a new location, for example, we project these numbers out five years. Mm -hmm. So uh, we do a lot of data, a lot of analysis, um, and that kind of determines how we launch that location. So, um, you know, what kind of deal, founders deal we do, what kind of marketing we do, you know, we, we figure out what our break even point for that location based on our, our nut basically for that location and then build out a spreadsheet and say, we need to start with this many members at this price and we need to grow X amount every month because that starts to determine how much marketing you're doing, how much, uh, you know, referral generation you're doing and all that stuff. So, um, it's really important to break out that entire, yearly five-year cycle to show what exactly you need 
to get to where and what part of your business. Yeah, that's a great point. <clears throat> I think also making sure that you're you're running a few different projections on that. So, you know, if you're looking at evaluating your price point, say moving forward and you've been around for five or six years, then you should have a pretty good idea of how many members you grow net per month. Mm -hmm. So let's just say, I'll, I'll pull this out of thin air, let's just say you grow uh, 10 members per month. Then obviously run a model that projects that you grow 10 members per month but then run a model that projects that you only grow five members per month. So just making sure that you're really covered on best case, worst case, you know, average case scenario, so that you're really thinking through these decisions and you're not just saying, oh, well, I know that I add 10 members per month. So if I go up 20 bucks a month plus 10 members a month, this is a no-brainer. Well, you might not go up 10 members per month if your prices go up. So right. It's not to say you can't, but you also might not. So just factoring in all those is, is pretty important. Yeah, another big important number um, is your class profitability. So if you're a gym that is currently open, has been open for a while, you're not talking about you know launching something new. Um, you know, figure out how much profitability profitability you make per class that you run on your schedule. Um, and the easy way to do that is to take your monthly revenue divided by your total class visits. Um, that is kind of a broad number, and you'll get how much if you put a class on the schedule how much money is that going to generate based on how many people attend that class um, and that's super important because that can help determine your payroll that can help determine maybe when you come off the schedule as a coach if you're making enough money per class um, you know it also figures out how much supplies you're using um, you know and, and gives you a total snapshot of when to add class times or maybe when a class time is underperforming and you need to remove it from the schedule Awesome, and that equation will be in the show notes. Yep. Um, so that's yeah. We're starting to give you guys some good equations to run, some very, um, you know, some very basic equations to help you arrive at that math. So at this point, we're kind of still in step two, um, and we're kind of going through the 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 checkpoints of those steps, and we've just discovered how to cover um, our basically our break even point for our prices, but now. No gym goes into business with the goal of breaking even. So now you want to start to figure out, okay, what are your actual financial goals? And you mentioned we like to project a new location out five years to make sure that all those things we talked about, best case, worst case, average case, um, we're, still, we're still okay in all of them. So the best way to do that is this is when you need to start having that conversation of like, okay, philosophically we talked about what do you want out of your gym in the first step? But now we need to put it in tangible terms. Like, what do you actually want out of your gym? <laughs> like, what do you need to make? You, you, maybe you have a family, you have a mortgage. What is the money that you actually need to make as a business? And so, you know, let's say, for example, that you have two partners and you both want to earn $75,000 a year running the gym. So you need to run that projection to make sure that you can get there with the price point and the service model that you're looking at. So, you know, this will assume that you're paying yourselves, uh, let's say, $35,000 a year as part of salary, as part of payroll. So you would need to come up with an additional $80,000 of profit to be able to reach that goal of each making $75,000 per year. Mm -hmm. So you divide that $80,000 profit by 12 months and you come to the conclusion that you need to make an extra $6,500 per month in profit in order for you as the ownership team to make your living. 
So then you just start factoring that into it. And the first thing you ask yourself is at your membership price, can you do that? Like, do you feel confident that you can do that? Do your numbers suggest that you can get there? Then applying the actual math. So let's say we, we still have that price point of 150. You take the 6,500 and you divide that by $150. You need to add an additional 43 members to your break even point. So now you start to take your 90 member break even point at $150 per month. You add the, the 40 members to it. Now all of a sudden your break even becomes 130, 140 members, excuse me, your profitability becomes 130 to 140 members. And you know, okay, that's my kind of big number for the gym to do well, to pay my bills and to know that personally, um, me and my partner are both going to be earning the living that we wanna earn. Yeah, I think that's so important because a lot of people run that break-even point just based on hitting your expenses, which is very important. However, by adding what you want out of it, I feel like that gives you a more realistic goal or maybe an unrealistic goal that you realize that your price point might not be able to reach what you eventually want out of the business. And then you need to reevaluate because if you, um, you know, if you run these numbers and you determine that you're your um, your break even with how much money you want to make is a number that is not really mm-hmm. doable in your market, then you're talking about a long road, a long, tough road to get there if you can even get there at all. Absolutely. And it, it just, you know, we keep referencing the step number one of figuring out what you want out of your gym because that's so important. And it's like diving into the example of, performance 360 and you and I, it's like, so we, there's two partners. Um, we live in an extremely expensive part of the country, Southern California. And we're both like, this is our thing. Like we're both incredibly invested in this and it is our, it is our full-time job. Like it is where we want to grow. Like we are gym owners. And so for lack of a more eloquent term, like we need to run a really damn good business because there's no room for not getting as much out of that as we can get from it. Right. So, you know, don't gloss over the fact that if you have, maybe you have three partners and if you're all in this full time, like if you're not thinking through this math and this price point, then an awkward conversation is going to occur five years down the line of like, okay, who can be bought out here? Or maybe who doesn't want to do this anymore? You know, if you're not factoring that in upfront, then you are going to face that issue. Yeah, that's a very real issue. Something, you know, we don't pay a ton of, ten, a ton of attention to other gyms in our area or, you know, Southern California. But with even without paying attention, I hear about that stuff all the time. Like, oh, this gym, you know, this person left or they bought out this person and somebody else came in or, or whatnot. We hear about that all the time. So that is a very, very real thing that will happen if you don't do this right. Absolutely. And so, so we just started talking a little bit about projecting your finances to make sure that you can earn your wages and your income as owners. But now, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand, but it's also a little bit different. You want to project out your profits long term. So like, you know, it's really easy to just say, yeah, I want to charge, I want to get 250 per month from clients and like, I'm going to get up to 200 members. It's like, that sounds amazing. But really (laughs) taking a look at like, can you actually do that? Is there anything in your market, if you're just starting out, that suggests that you can do that? 
It's not to say you can't be the first person ever, but the chances of that happening are unlikely. Or is there anything in your current data that suggests you can elevate your prices and still get to that level of growth that you want? So, you know, a couple of just things to be thinking about on like a macro level of let's say you are that model of having more members, you know, uh, that means you're going to have more coaches because we already said that uh, you're going to need more classes. So with more coaches becomes a very challenging job responsibility of maintaining, of training and sustaining the quality of the gym. You just, you know, like I mentioned, we have 16 coaches. It becomes a challenge. You know, we need to have, we need to have professional full-time staff to manage our full-time staff. So these expenses, they start to add up. They start to become a factor. <clears throat> if you have less members, then you're going to have probably a difficult time with just market acquisition. If you're charging that $250, $300 a month price point, then you need a really, really good sales system that's likely not going to be something that can be automated. You're probably going to want that to be like an in-person touch or over, or over the phone. And so that means that you're either going to be doing that for a long time or that somebody else is needing to be in that position, which is probably a salary or a level of payroll that perhaps you might not be thinking through. And that's obviously going to eat into your profitability. So these are some things that you just need to be mindful of as you really project out those long-term, okay, what happens when I stop doing this? Well, with, with more members, that turns into a very large coaching staff. With less members, that turns into somebody very qualified stepping in and, and continuing the, that sales role, which is going to come with a higher, um, a higher payroll. Yeah, and there's other things involved too. More members means more uh, customer service issues, more just general inquir inquiries, stuff like that. Um, you know, having less members at a higher price might mean a higher level of personal service to those fewer members. Um, and so each model comes with its own unique challenges, unique benefits, um, you know, totally depending on a lot of those different factors. Absolutely. And so the last consideration that we have in this step two is your competition. Now, you and I are probably bad examples to be talking about this <laughs> because we've never paid a ton of attention to what our competition is charging or doing. And I think there's a fine line. Uh, you certainly do not want to neglect it, but you also don't want to be, you don't want businesses that might be inferior to yours dictating the level that you charge and the services that you provide. So you want to know what your competition is charging. You want to know what the market can bear. You know, we, we mentioned a minute ago of like, if you're setting out for that two to $300 average revenue per member, like, yes, you want to give some sort of look in the marketplace of if that is happening or a possibility whatsoever. Um, so you want to be aware of things, but you don't want to let that totally dictate it because if you do, then you're just turning into a commodity because you're doing what everyone else is already doing. Yeah, I think that's perfect because if you're, let's just say you go into a market and, um, there's three or four gyms, there, all in the high price, low volume model, then that is an opportunity for you to come in and provide the same level of service or better service. Uh, at a higher value and you'll be able to get more market share. If you just emulate exactly what they're doing and you're saying, oh, well, the market here is, you know, charging 250 a month, so I can charge 250 a month. Um, you're, like you said, you're just going to be competing with other people 
doing the same thing with less experience behind you. That's an excellent point. I know we'll get into a lot of the stuff with uh, evaluating the value of what you're providing in step five. So we've gone through two steps. Step one, what do you want out of your gym? Step two, really running the numbers and doing a deep dive on them to make sure that you're obviously covering your financial nut, you're covering your ownership's um, income needs, and you're projecting out for the long term. So step three, make a decision. Now, it sounds like common sense and it sounds like that's uh, self-evident in this process, but we have it as an actual step because once you make a decision, you really, really, really want to stick to it. And that's not to say that you cannot be tweaking and adjusting your price point within an acceptable range of kind of what your service category is. You know, if you're like a, a bit more members at a bit um, more affordable price point, you can certainly go up or down in that range. But it's very difficult five, six years later to just be like, okay, now I'm a premium gym and I'm going to change my entire process. Right. Or vice versa. You right. know, flooding the gym with more members if you are that higher premium, um, higher quality service, you make that switch overnight or even gradually. And, you know, you're just, you're going to begin either pricing out people or you're going to be driving people out who don't want that many people in the gym, depending on what your model is. Yeah. Starting out higher and reducing your membership price, I think is a lot harder and has some severe consequences with it. Um, starting maybe a little bit lower and increasing as you go, um, carries a little bit less less issues and is kind of more in line with what people would expect. Um, you know, we've never really had to cut membership prices or anything like that, so I can't say what that experience is like. You know, with any sort of personal experience, but can you imagine charging like you know two fifty, two seventy five a month? realizing that model doesn't work and then having to cut that price by 50 or a hundred bucks a month. Like what does that tell your members in the market? Yeah. It just, I think in either scenario, you're, you're faced with two things. Number one, you're alienating your current customers, no matter what that change is. And number two, you're going to have a very hard time with acquisition for new customers because the market does not know you in the new sense that you're going to be presenting yourself. Right. So it's this kind of double edged sword of just, both sides are bad and yeah. it's something that you you want to avoid. So it's why we have this step three of like, okay, take a step back, sit on it and make a decision. And once you make that decision, you are all in on it and that is your model and you want to own the shit out of those numbers. But that is your model for lack of lack of a better way to put it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, step four. So you have now decided what you want out of your gym. You've run the numbers. You've made a decision. Now you need to create a service strategy that actually works for the model. So we want to kind of be careful on this point because I feel like we could spend hours just going into each category of what is effective for them. So, you know, I really want to make sure we keep it of just general talking about what would be appropriate for the given model. But there are some service strategies that you need to be thinking of depending on your price point. You know, for example, your onboarding process. What is your sales process? We mentioned earlier that if you're that higher premium type of gym, then your then your onboarding and your sales process should represent that. You know, people shouldn't be joining with a link on a website if you're going to be hoping to capture three to four hundred dollars a month of services from folks. Uh, on the flip side of it, if your model is a bit more volume based and you do want more members, 
then you do need something that's going to help you with that. That's, that is going to help you with that level of automation. So just making sure that that service tells the customers what it is that they can, what it is that they can um, uh, plan to expect in engaging your brand. Yeah, that's a really good point, matching your service with your pricing. Um, you said it perfectly. If somebody's going to spend you know, 300 bucks a month, uh, they're not going to go to your website, read whatever you have written there, and then sign up for a membership. That's just unlikely to happen. So if that is your model, you need to match your service with that model and provide more phone calls, consults, ways to reach out, um, you know, a, a different type of sales process than if you were volume based. And then moving on to accountability. So, you know, if you have fewer members and they're paying a higher price point, then those folks are really going to expect some personal accountability. They're going to expect that as part of their uh, membership, as part of their payments, they're going to get somebody who's going to keep them on track. Whereas if you're not charging quite as much, maybe you can automate that process. You know, we have episodes on automation, how you can help to stimulate and engage those personal conversations with just the nudge of automation. Um, But that's something that you need to be factoring in as well. People are not going to be continuing to pay upwards of $300 per month if it's just kind of they join and then they're forgotten about. So um, it just goes to speaking about really thinking through all aspects of the price, you know, first your numbers, great. You've come to that decision, but now are you actually, do you have systems in place that are going to be backing it up? Absolutely. And service delivery. So what, you know, what, what is the actual coaching experience? <laughs> you know, that we haven't once touched on that in all of this. And this is where you need to really be thinking through that. You know, if you are charging a lot way above market, are you providing an experience that is actually way above market? Or are you just getting customers through better branding and better marketing? Are these people going to stay long-term with the service strategies and the service options that you actually have in place? Yeah, I mean, you know, this this opens up a slew of other equations and numbers that you can start running to determine if, if your service offering is matching your price. You know, if people are... You know, if you're looking at length of average membership and that number is really low, there's some sort of disconnect there. Um, if your average membership length is crazy high and people are not canceling even though they are not coming, that means that you might have the opportunity to increase your prices up to you know an acceptable level, obviously, and still keep a large number of those people. Absolutely. And that's why that final step six, which we'll get to, is so important, constantly evaluating those numbers. Yep. Um, so as far as the service strategy goes, onboarding, what do you have in place? Is it representative of your pricing point? Same goes for ongoing accountability and ongoing service delivery. Anything else to add for that service strategy point? Nope. Four steps down. So we have gone through What do you want out of your gym? Running the numbers, making a decision, and backing it up with a service strategy that supports the model. So now we're into step five, evaluating the value. And it comes at step five because I want to make it very clear that this is a major point in the decision. But really, you should be evaluating that value when you're coming up with your price point. You made a great point earlier 
um, I forget exactly what you said, but it was something to the effects of like, if you're looking at your market and most people are charging $150 a month and you come in and charge $150 a month, you said something about having the opportunity to make sure you don't turn into a commodity because you're providing things that have so much more value than what your competition is providing. So I'd love for you to maybe just go a little bit deeper into that and talk about what you mean. I don't remember saying that at all. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been something similar, but um, also my uh, memory is pretty shot after COVID, which is an interesting <laughs> side effect. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's... I, it's hard It's hard for me because market research is so important to see what is in the market, how many gyms, what the price points are, um, you know, how they service their clients, what they're offering, um, because that tells you what the market can handle. But that doesn't mean that you should do what they're doing because they already have a large share of that market and a higher level of experience and reputation in that market. So I personally am a very big fan of um, finding successful style models and doing it a little bit different and a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you mentioned that 150 price point that let's just say there's three other gyms that are charging $150. Um, what are they offering? Are you able to um, maybe offer a little bit more and and still beat them on price? Are you able to do that? Because you'll you know, you'll look at a high volume model at that point and say, we'll be able to take a large share of that market if we're able to match or do better than what they're doing and charge a little bit less. On the other side, you might say, you know, we can do way better than what they're doing and charge a premium and get a solid chunk of that market, maybe not be a volume based type of operation, but um, you know, doing something different, there there might not be another gym in that area that's more of that premium model. And what I've learned is there are people that will pay whatever your price point is, as long as you match it with service delivery. So you know, hypothetically, if you were to charge five hundred bucks a month, there would be a few people that would pay five hundred dollars a month because they want that exclusivity. So point being is there are ways to look at what is in the market and kind of manipulate your way around to being different, better, and charging what you're worth for that. Yeah, I think this is where we can use Performance 360 as a very prime example of this is our price point has never been anything that's flashy. You know, we sit in that average range of about 150, which is the reference that we've made a few times on this episode. And you can go drive down any road in Southern California for five miles and you're probably going to run into 10 gyms that are doing group fitness that charge $150 a month. Mm -hmm. So we, we are not differentiated on price whatsoever, but what we do a very good job of is creating value behind that price point. So, you know, we talk about premium, we've made, uh, you know, we've made references to premium type of accountability. Are you checking in with folks to premium type of onboarding? You know, are you meeting with folks? Are you giving them anything on the front end and how, you know, if you're, if you're a higher price gym that you should be doing that. Well, we've, you know, we've made the focus to make our gym, um, that price point of that 150 range, but also having some of those steps of service that a premium gym would have. So the right off of the get go, we are exceeding the perceived value of what people are going to be getting when they come to the gym. You know, they're getting a body scan. 
for free on the front end of things. Um, they're having a coach who's going to be checking in with them as soon as they join. These little steps of service that people don't quite expect from a group fitness gym, but once they get it, then all of a sudden that value is 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 above what they thought they would pay. So that price point just is able to lock them into a much longer average membership length than they otherwise would be able to achieve. Yeah, and when people in the market start evaluating us versus other gyms in the area, they they talk, people talk to each other, um, they may try out different gyms. So when they see that our price point is either at or many times slightly below other gyms, but we provide so much more, then that is how you start to win people over from these other gyms. Um, you know, we have priced ourselves into a an area that we get um, people from other group fitness models like, you know, F45, Orange Theory, uh, CrossFit, we get people from those types of gyms who are looking for a better experience, but we also get the people that are from 24-hour fitness that want something more, um, you know, than just the go-do-it-yourself type of thing. So we are able to get a higher market share because we've kind of played with that price while over providing in uh, service value. And that's the important takeaway for folks is it's all about value for both of those customers. So the folks coming to us from the big box gyms, they perceive the value of the hands-on instruction, the program design, all the things that really good group fitness places do. And the folks that are coming from, you know, the, the F45s or the really higher priced group fitness are saying, I'm, I'm not getting what I expect here. I'm not getting $200 worth of services. And I see that you guys are providing all of these things and I'm going to be paying less to do it. Well, that's a no brainer. Right. So the takeaway for people is your price point is likely not going to be super unique, but what can be unique is how you are establishing the perceived value of what folks are going to be getting. So it's easy to take a look around your marketplace. This is where taking a look around competition can help because it can give you a little bit of insight into what extra step or what little thing can we provide that is not a major inconvenience to our operation, but that gives folks even more out of that price point and better locks in my ability to be able to charge that price point long-term and support all those numbers that we need. Absolutely. So step six, final step. So just gonna recap the steps one more time. We have decided what you want out of your gym. We've run the numbers. We've made a decision, created a service strategy that supports that. We've evaluated the value. And now we are asking ourselves, is it working? And this is something that you and I do really in reality every week. When we, when we run reporting, that's what we're that's what we're looking at. Is our price point actually working? Which means, is the business working? Yeah. And so you alluded to looking at length of membership. That's a really, really good one. If if you see that that length of membership is coming down, then it means you obviously have a price point issue to potentially be looking at. Not necessarily. It could mean that you need to just increase your service offering, your service level, because people have a perceived level of quality for that service. So. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to slash prices, but it 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 means you need to uh, examine what people are getting out of the gym. Um, yeah, so talk a little bit about just some more data and some more things to look at as far as data goes and how that would relay to whether or not your price point is successful. Yeah, but you just used data and then you said data. 
Did I? So this I'm, is, I'm a little confused at who you are right now. We're we're recording this episode like really early in the morning for us, and so you called me David to start. Uh, we've both like stuttered a few times. This is it was doomed the second that you called me David. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> really tripped your brain there. But I think it a podcast before you asked, "Is it data or data?" And I did say it was both. So that's I'm true. Allowed, you did. I'm allowed to say it both ways because uh, <laughs> I did establish that expectation. Fair enough. Establishing expectations. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, I don't even remember the question, but I think it was you know what numbers we look at to make sure that it works. Um, that average membership length is extremely important because that tells us how long a member is willing to pay for the services that we are offering. And if that is very low, then we clearly have a disconnect of what we are putting out into the market and say that we are offering and then what we're delivering. And you said it perfectly. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a price thing. Um, it might mean that we're just saying something into the market that we do and we're not backing it up with our service. So we can start focusing on steps of service to fix that um, before we even worry about price. Um, and then, you know, average membership value, if you look at the average membership value per client and multiply that by the length of membership, you get the total lifetime value of that client. So those are super important numbers to look at. Um, you know, we go really deep into our data in terms of uh, when people cancel, how do they rate the gym, how do they rate the coaching staff, how do they, um, you know, what, uh, what is their reasoning for cancel. Uh, we ask them to elaborate on pretty much every cancellation reason. So, um, you know, if you canceled and you said, uh, you know, I'm, I found a new gym, you know, it asks, uh, why, why were you looking for a new gym or what did we fail to do for you? Um, as a gym that caused you to look elsewhere. Um, and so we're constantly evaluating that data that comes in to see, um, you know, if we're not offering what we're, what we say that we're offering and make sure that the value is, is there for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like talking about how always looking at that subjective and objective feedback. You know, you talk about reasons in the cancellation form, that's going to give you great insight into the subjective reasons. People really saying in their own words what they were displeased with or why they canceled. And then even before you get to that point, objectively looking at weekly data of, you know, what what is the what is the attendance level of classes? Are people coming? If they're not coming, that's a very simple you have the simple answer of something is broken here that we're failing to provide folks that doesn't match up with the price point. Right. And then even on the front end of things, looking at your leads and your joins, everybody has a process for creating leads, nurturing leads, and then ultimately getting them to become gym members. That's going to be unique to every facility. But if you're tracking it properly, you should see a very clear uh, what causes people to join and what causes that conversation to kind of stop. And is it related to price? If it is, you made the point earlier of like, maybe it's not a pricing issue. Maybe it's a communication issue of the value that you're actually going to be receiving here. Right. So each little data point has the ability to tell its own kind of different story about the success of your pricing, if it's effective. And it's really making sure you're taking this holistic viewpoint of all the data, both objective and subjective, and seeing what it's telling you about that story and what you can kind of pluck from it to potentially make an evaluation on future price, either increases or changing it 
adjusting it to the market, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, you said it exactly. Each different data point tells you a different story and is your job as the owner to put all those pieces together to give an accurate representation of the business as a whole. Um, leads, for example, leads show general interest in the brand, in the gym, in the company. Uh, joins show you know whether your process works um, from showing interest to actually joining the gym. You might find that uh, you just don't have a great closing strategy. Somebody, you might get a lot of interest, but you're just not able to convert those into members. That is a very, very uh, unique data point that you can attack individually to do a better job on. Um, length of membership, if you're, if you're seeing a lot of people cancel pretty quickly, that might be a communication error. That might be a service offering error. That might be. Um, you know, a host of different things. We, we haven't talked today about churn, how many people are canceling every month based on your total membership count. Um, you know, you can track that monthly and determine swings if, if you know, you're sitting at 3 or 4% churn and then all of a sudden uh, you jump up to 6 or 7. It's like, whoa, what, what's, what's different? Did I just make a major change in my operations in the business that's causing this? Um, so there's all these different data points that you can analyze and then make decisions off of those individually and put together as a whole. That is just such a great point. And, you know, in kind of harping on the cancellation stuff for a second, while of course we certainly get folks who cancel, who just say like, this was too expensive. It's not too expensive. It's just that they weren't getting the value that they thought they were going to be getting from that price point. Right. That's really all any price is for any sort of good or services is, am I going to get what I think I'm going to get from it? So easy stuff to be able to pull from the cancellation. And then, you know, we made the point earlier um, about making sure that you really understand what your payroll costs are going to be. And this is a really good closing point and kind of what we're what we're kind of going through is you know, we have a lot of gym members here. And so our payroll with COVID has really, really increased because we've had to add so many classes because our class sizes went down about 40 to 50%. We also pay above industry rate for our coaches. The average coach is being paid about $34 per class to coach at the gym when combined part-time, full-time salaried roles. So you put those two things together, all of a sudden you have a payroll that is very, very high. And, you know, it's a great problem to have. The gym is in such demand. The classes are on such a wait list that we have to add all these classes, but it is something to be considering. And so the reason why that's relevant to this conversation is we are now looking at, okay, we've got to increase our prices. So we made that decision to increase our prices in February, which now ties the whole thing together. We're now having to look at our leads. Are we still getting the same amount of leads every month, uh, every week? What are our joins? Are people going to be joining at the same rate as this, as this new price point? It all is tied together. And the only way to ultimately evaluate if it's working is just such a hands-on approach with the data. Right. Um, so anything else to add on that? No, I mean, I, I think that last point just really sum, summarizes and hits home like the importance of all this because all of these things that we've evaluated has led to the decision to increase prices in February. And then all of a sudden it starts a brand new cycle of reevaluation to see if those new price points match service delivery 
or you know I don't think it will happen, but you never know. Maybe a price increase has a drastic effect on general interest in joining the gym, and then it's like we have another decision: do we revert back to old prices, or do we try and work on the service delivery and and find out why people aren't willing to pay that much and matching the service offering? Um, I don't think that will happen, but like I said, it's it's a constant evaluation of what's working and what's not working. And the only way to do it is with that data. Yep. All right, guys. So let's just recap things real quick. So we talked about how to determine your price point through six steps. The first step of those is really taking a step back, deciding what it is that you want out of your gym philosophically. Step two, once you have that, really run the numbers. Check them come up with your monthly expenses, make sure you're factoring in the income that you need as owners, and make sure that everything lines up with the numbers that you need. Step three, making a decision. Once you make that decision, you stick with it, that is your model, you go all in and you figure out how you can run the best version of that. You're able to increase prices within your service category, but your service category stays the same. And then step four, making sure that your services actually back up your price point. What is your onboarding? What is your ongoing accountability? And what is your service delivery? Do they match the level of quality that you are claiming to be giving? Step five, evaluating the value. What are you doing above your competition? What are you doing to add value to that price point to make sure folks are staying long-term? And then step six, evaluating, is it working? looking at the data, looking at the subjective feedback in your member cancellations, looking at the objective data in leads, in joints, in average membership length, in your churn, in your payroll, always having your finger on the pulse of whether or not your customers and the market is responding to the price point that you've created. That is it, guys. We will talk to you next time. Goodbye.